Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And of course, you can always find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group over on Facebook. Well, this is episode 154 of Sorta Awesome. We, the Sorta Awesome team, we have been hearing from our awesome community, especially our community of listener supporters, our superstar awesomes, that you all might like to hear more voices from our awesome community on the show. And so this week, we are doing exactly that. I am so excited to introduce to all of you a very well-known member of our awesome community, Kate Zerby. Kate, hello, and welcome to Sorta Awesome. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited. It is a Saturday morning, you guys. Both of us have lots of kids and lots going on. And so Kate has taken time out of a busy summer schedule to come and be on the show as we are in the middle of all kinds of summer madness. So Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to come on this week. I'm very happy to do it. Well, we often do rely on feedback from our superstar awesome listener supporters as we are coming up with show topic ideas and all kinds of things. And so if you would like more information about how you can become a superstar listener supporter, you can find those details over at sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. Not only do our listener supporters help us produce episodes, they also get access to exclusive content that we would not air on our Friday episodes. And you get access to our Superstar Hangout group on Facebook. It's a little bit smaller, a little more private, and definitely awesome. Again, you can find out all of that information, all of those details that you need to know at sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. I am so excited to get to today's show. Kate is an Okie like myself. She is also an awesome turned real life friend of mine through the power of our community. I know lots of you all have turned online connections into offline friendships. It's so awesome that that happens in my own life as well. Kate is a person who absolutely exemplifies what it means to be and awesome in the world. And I know, Kate, you're probably blushing and don't want me to say that. That is true. <laughs> but trust me, you guys, she absolutely embodies awesome. And today, we're going to hear from Kate on a variety of topics, like her personal struggle with infertility and how that path led to a sort of unconventional way of 
creating a family and what that has looked like, as well as Kate's thoughts on adoption and education for kids with special learning needs and just all kinds of stuff. Kate is a wealth of wisdom and information. So we're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. That moment in the show where we take a minute just to fill you in on the things that are making our life a little bit more awesome, whether it's books or TV, movies, podcasts, anything that is making life a little bit more awesome for us right now. Kate, I cannot wait to hear what you have for us this week. Well, my awesome of the week is a phone case. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Yes, I have gone through a few phones because I did not have an adequate phone case. And I discovered Loopy cases. You can find them at loopycases.com. I think I first saw it on Instagram. A lady that I follow had it and then a real life friend had it. And so when I got my new phone, and I was determined to take care of this one, I tried out the Loopy case and I just love it. The thing that's unique about this case, I've not seen another one that's just like it. It has a loop on the back of the case. So the case is just a really slim case that clicks on the back of your phone and it kind of wraps around. And on the back is a small loop that one or two fingers can fit through. It's a flexible loop, similar to like those silicone bracelets that people wear. It's that same material. Okay. I love it. And it's an easy way to hold my phone when I'm like, it's easy to use your whole screen when you hold your phone that way. But also, it keeps my phone really slim. I don't really like a bulky case, but I need a case to protect it. This one is good because it just kind of wraps around the edges. I did go ahead and buy a screen protector uh -huh. just in case. Sure. This one, really, though, it helps you to not drop your phone. I literally can be, I can carry it with one finger because I can just hook my finger in the phone. Oh my gosh, this is like brilliant. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I absolutely need this and I've never heard of yeah. it. So I only know one other person that has one and we both just love ours. I don't have the big iPhone. I can't remember what they're called, but mine's smaller, but mm -hmm. she has a larger one and it works well. You can still like access your whole screen. They make a slightly altered version if you're a lefty. And so that way your thumb reaches where it needs to reach. <laughs> But I really even like most notice it like if I'm getting out of my van when we get home from somewhere and I'm sort of collecting all the things and carrying them in my house, I can literally just loop it through my finger. Like I might hook my key ring on my finger and then I can hook my case on my right. finger and it really saves me from dropping it. And it keeps my phone really small, like it's just still this slim. So it can still fit in your pocket or tuck in your purse without anything extra. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant. So you're saying loopy like L-O-O-P-Y? Yes. Is that yeah, the okay. address is loopycases.com and they have a lot of different like patterns. I have like a rose gold one, so it's just really oh, plain, you know, but they have a lot of different ones if you wanna and you can switch them out. Like it's super easy just to pop the case off and put a new one on if you wanna change out your cases. Oh my gosh. I think you maybe just changed my life a little bit. So I'm super excited to go check that out. I it actually does sound like exactly something that I need for sure. So I really do that. It, it was definitely my awesome of the week. I'm happy to share it. Perfect. I'm a chronic phone dropper. It drives Kyle crazy because he's just one of those people who magically yeah. like never, literally yeah. never drops his phone. <laughs> and I drop mine immediately when I get a new one. So yeah, good stuff. Okay. Well, we will absolutely put a link into the show notes as we always do with our awesomes of the week so that you all can go check those out. Maybe you need your life changed by a phone case too. So well, my awesome of the week is something that's definitely something I've needed for a long time. Kate, I think you can share in my personal pain over the fact that as you get older, you have to let go of some things in life. And something I've had to let go of are cheap 
flip-flops and sandals. <laughs> oh my gosh, I hate it. When I was younger, I wore $5 Old Navy and Target flip-flops. And you guys, I'm 41. I am paying the price for it. I cannot get away with that anymore. And I also need like serious old lady shoes. But I found a new brand that I super love. I've told you all in the past that I love for flip-flops. I love the Vionic brand and I still have and wear those. But I needed something a little bit dressier for like church or if there was an evening out, a girl's night, something that's a little dressier than flip-flops in the summer. (laughs) So I actually was just like Googling like best sandals arch support because that's where I have a lot of foot pain is in my arches. And so, I mean, how old am I? (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) these are the things that I literally am Googling. These things become very important. They do. Sad but true. They do. So one brand that I came across is called TheraFit. So my awesome of the week this week truly are my new sandals from TheraFit. Their tagline is make your whole body happy. And I do have to say when I got these, I was like, oh, these are going to really work well. The whole company works closely with podiatrists and other people in the sort of medical Mm -hmm. and also body movement sort of realm of professionals who have really collaborated on how to make shoes that are going to support your feet so that truly you don't have aches and pains, not only in your feet, but in the rest of your body. And so I got a pair of really cute silver sandals that have really significant like impact resistance in the soles. They do have excellent arch support, something I was totally looking for. And, but they don't look, I mean, they don't look like old lady shoes. (laughs) Yes. So I will say, I mean, they're an investment. They're definitely, most of their sandals are over the $100 price point. But the good thing about being in a stage of life where you have to buy shoes that are going to support your feet is they do actually last longer. I have found that to be true with my Vionic flip-flops that I love. And I am confident, even just having worn these a few times, I'm super confident that these are going to hold up over time. They're so well made. They do offer things like free shipping and free returns and all kinds of things. They also, one thing that I think is cool for about TheraFit as a brand is they have a whole line of products just for nurses. If you know a nurse or if you have spent time in hospitals and seen how much nurses are on their feet, I come from a long line of nurses. My mother, my aunt, and my grandmother were all RNs. And I know they spend a lot of time on their feet and they need good shoes. And so TheraFit even has a whole line just for nurses. So anyway, I'm telling you, Kate, they're changing my life in ways. It's kind of like one of those things where you're like, Ugh, I mean, I guess I got to get freaking art support sandals now, but at least they have some cute ones that are options now. Yeah, I can't wait to check them out. Yes, I have foot problems and I have now learned I just need to take care of my feet. Yes. Yes, because when your feet hurt, truly it does cause pain. In fact, on my left side, I have pain that had started to kind of radiate all the way up into my hip. I mean, <laughs> our 22-year-old listeners are like, oh, Lord. I'm not sure about this being 40. <laughs> I know, I know. So listen, 22-year-old awesomes, don't do the cheapy old Navy Target flip-flops. Don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> Yes. So anyway, those are TheraFit. I will put a link in the show notes. And on social media this week, I'll share a picture of my cute new sandals that are making me so happy this week. 
Those are our awesomes of the week. Don't forget that every single Friday over in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group, we open up the floor for you guys, the awesomes, to share what is awesome in your life. I have gleaned so much wisdom and found so many great things and also just been so inspired by some of the things that people share between new babies and job promotions and degrees and all kinds of things that we celebrate every week in our Awesome of the Week thread. And so if you have not joined our awesome community over on Facebook, we sure would love to have you. You can do that by going to facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Hey, awesomes. It's summertime and the living is easy for lots of us, but that doesn't mean that it has to be unhealthy because we all know that healthy cooking can also be fast and easy, especially when you have Sunbasket. Sunbasket makes it easy and fast to cook healthy, delicious meals at home in as little as 30 minutes. And now you get more options than ever. You can go to the Sunbasket app and pick from 18 weekly recipes. Sunbasket meals are easy to whip up, and my new favorite is a one-pan meal, the Moroccan Spice Chicken Skewers with pepper and tomato salad. And Sunbasket has you covered with plenty of eating options, including paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family style, and more. Sunbasket always works with the best farms and suppliers to bring you fresh, organic produce and responsibly raised meats and seafoods. The best part, Sunbasket is delivered in perfect portions with reliable nutrition information. Like I said, it's easy to whip it up in about 30 minutes. Perfect for a summer evening meal. There's something for every healthy family and every busy lifestyle. To check out Sunbasket for your own family, go to sunbasket.com slash sorta today to learn more and go ahead and get $35 off of your first order. That is sunbasket.com slash sorta for $35 off at sunbasket.com slash sorta. Thank you, Sunbasket. Okay. Well, as I said at the top of the show, I am so excited to get to sort of introduce to many of you all who may not have met Kate through our community, but lots of you have heard bits and pieces of Kate's story that she's shared throughout the years in the Hangout community. I'm so excited for you all to get to hear Kate's whole story from start to finish and all of the wisdom that she hasn't even had a chance to share in the Hangout group. I'm so excited for you guys to hear all of this. So Kate, let's just get right to it. Oftentimes when we have guests come on the show, we kind of start with a five-minute life story, but let's just kind of start with your background because we're going to take the story. (laughs) We're going to fully expand it. This is the full-length version of your story, but start out by telling us a little bit about your growing up years and education and kind of give us a little bit of background. And then after that, we'll dig into the story of how your family came into being. Okay. Sounds great. Yes. As you mentioned, I'm a fellow Okie. I grew up in sort of North Central Oklahoma, went to a super small town school and graduated with a class of 25. So when I talk about small town, it it actually, it is small. (laughs) Teeny tiny. (laughs) (laughs) just had pretty normal childhood growing up. And I have three brothers and two sisters. And my mom was mostly a stay at home mom and just family was really important. And both sets of grandparents were close by and just lots of good, happy family memories. And after graduating from high school, I knew I wanted to be a special education teacher. So I went to college and majored in special education 
After four years, I moved back home and taught at a nearby school for a few years. And in that process, I met my husband and he was, <laughs> that's another story. And um, he's not who I was looking for ever. I was uh, 24 when we met and he was 36, divorced dad and uh, had three boys. And so we, uh, but we knew uh, rather quickly that we wanted this uh, relationship to be one that lasts and works. And um, we were married a couple of years later. And so I instantly became a stepmom. We shared custody with the boy's mom and the boys were six, eight, and 10 when we got married. So that's a little bit of how that part of our family started. So, I mean, really, even from the beginning, one thing I love about your story is you, I mean, you know, we've done this episode in the past about when life gives you pivots or you choose to take a pivot. I feel like your story, Kate, from start to finish so far is a series of pivots that you have been really open to embracing along the way, even just you just kind of casually mentioned, but like you were in your early 20s and probably not looking for an instant family from the start in terms of becoming a stepmom first. Right. Like that wasn't even something I ever would considered. I don't think people in their early 20s do. I mean, I just don't think that right. happens. So yeah, but I was open to that. And that's what our life was. And so that moved me to Tulsa, which is where I live now, because that's where the boy's mom lived. And that's Rob was actually commuting about an hour and 15 minutes, like three times a week uh, to spend time with the boys and see them. And so we decided it would be better to move to Tulsa. And then he commuted to work for a few years before he eventually moved his job to Tulsa. So gotcha. Yeah. Into, to marry me. Yeah, I love that. And again, I think that yours is just a story of how being open to possibilities is, well, it can really take you down some paths that you weren't expecting, yeah. but you never know what kind of awesome you're going to find down that path. And I have to wonder too, something I didn't mention yet, you and I have a ton of things in common. And one of those things is that we are both ENFPs on the Myers-Briggs system of personalities. And one thing that ENFPs genuinely are known for, I mean, you all know ENFPs and anybody who is <laughs> adjacent to an ENFP, we have our challenges <laughs> in terms of like being able to stay focused and following through on things. Those are a few things that come to mind. But one thing that I do think that ENFPs are pretty good at is just being open to possibilities. In fact, that's like one of our core values is this idea of sort of exploring and kind of saying yes and just seeing what happens next. And so it's just so interesting. You know me, I see everything through personality filters. So, <laughs> Well, life is an adventure and especially for ENFPs. I think we're open to it and we seek it out. And yeah, and you can see that when I reflect back and I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, so that takes us through sort of early marriage. You met Rob. He had three sons. You really dove into the co-parenting role, obviously with Rob, but even in the shared custody that you had with your stepson's mother. And so family life from the beginning was, I mean, that was just part that was built into your marriage from the start. So let's take a few more steps on down the road as you and Rob began to think about starting a new branch of your family together. Sure. People would ask me when, right before we were getting married, you know, like, are you going to have kids right away? And I would say things like, not right away. We'll probably wait a year or so. <laughs> that really meant right away. But for me, that felt like I was waiting. Yes. Yes. Before yes. we were going to try. But I always wanted to be a mom. I always wanted a lot of kids. I'm still really close to my siblings. I wanted my family to look like that. 
And so about a year-ish into our marriage, we decided to sort of actively try to get pregnant. I'm Catholic, and so I never was on birth control. That was never something I wanted to do. So we practiced natural family planning from the beginning, which was a new thing to my Baptist husband. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who also didn't necessarily expect that at 36, he would meet a 24-year-old who wanted to start a family. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even so, think about it from that perspective. Yeah. So there's some conversations early on in dating on, okay, well, this is my plan. And how can we make our plans work together? But as we were open to life, really, I still expected that we probably would get pregnant right away. There wasn't anything to expect that we wouldn't. And month after month went by, cycle after cycle. At that time, I was teaching high school special education and was really kind of missing some of my friends from back home and my coworkers. I hadn't really made the same kind of connections. And I do remember really being sad month after month. I just think those of you that have walked that journey of infertility, it's like the worst way to find out you're not pregnant is, mm. I mean, like, <laughs> what a terrible thing. Like, <laughs> Right. That you are hopeful each month. And I would count, okay, if this is the month, then what would the due date be? And I did understand, and I know any of you guys that have even just, it didn't happen right away for, I know lots of people have had those experiences. We just, but we're kind of moving along and I was tracking my cycles and we used the symptothermal method and I was taking my temperature every morning and doing all the things and it was just never happening. And then I took like a super short break from teaching, um, but then got right back into it because I really knew that's where I wanted. And that landed me at the Little Lighthouse in Tulsa, which is a really unique school. It's a private Christian school for kids with special needs, but it is run on donations. And so it's tuition free. And so when I, oh wow, yeah, it's amazing. When I ended up there, it really kind of shifted my focus and realized that right now, this is what God has me for. And I really felt like when I started working there, that the only way I would leave is if I was coming home to take care of babies. And that while I was there, I was impacting and doing work for him and just this amazing place. It's amazing for how it ministers to families. It's amazing in the quality of services they provide for kids. And it was a real blessing for me to get to be a part of that. So as a classroom teacher there for a total of seven years, in the midst of that, I'm still even kind of thinking, well, probably I'll get pregnant. You know, <laughs> I did some kind of like very basic testing with my OBGYN and all of my blood work came back fine. My cycles were always really regular. I ovulated every month, all these things. And my husband had all the three children. So if we were, looked like this should happen, we could have pursued additional testing, even within the teachings of the Catholic Church, which I wanted to ascribe to. There are some things we could have done, but I never felt led to do that. I really felt like that if it was going to happen and it should happen, then it would happen. And if not, I was open to adoption. I knew that there were kids that needed homes. And so that was sort of a thing in the future for us. While I was working at the Little Lighthouse, yeah. they were sending teams of staff members to China to work in orphanages with kids with special needs, really to go and train professionals in China in the best way to meet the needs. It's kind of a newish thing that they would want to do that in China. And so our school was helping to do that. Gotcha. That sort of opened my eyes to international adoption. So in my brain, I kind of kept thinking, well, probably somewhere down the line, we'll adopt a baby from China. And maybe that baby will have special needs. That was just sort of the thing. Right. And then I did get pregnant one time, just a surprise. It was in October of 2008. 
really close to Halloween. I knew that I was a little bit late. At some point, I had actually stopped charting because it was too stressful for me to chart. But I was like, oh, I'm actually, this cycle has seemed really long. So just surprised, I was pregnant. And that was a really fun time for a little while. When I went to my second appointment, which would have been the appointment to like see the heartbeat and measurement, there was no heartbeat. And Mm. that was right before Thanksgiving. And then I opted to just let my body miscarry naturally. I didn't do any medication or scheduling procedures. It was right before Christmas that I actually did miscarry. So, oh gosh, I'm sure. Yeah, for a while, those like Halloween was when we announced our pregnancy. Thanksgiving was when we began to grieve the loss. And then around Christmas was when I visited it. And so that was hard for me looking back on that. And I still think. What I don't understand and what I won't understand, I don't think, is why it happened when I was comfortable with not being pregnant. Like I was okay with not being pregnant and I was okay with looking forward to adoption. I don't ever know the lesson, although there is the lesson in being able to walk that journey with other people. And I have had friends that I've been able to, but still that doesn't, doesn't take away the hurt of that loss. Absolutely. When you do start to see that kind of a little bit of redemption from those terrible, heartbreaking things that happen in life. It's a little bit like, well, maybe this is, I wouldn't have wanted it to happen, but there is a sense of being able to, like, I can at least step into this pain with somebody else and sort of accompany them in their pain. But like you said, it's never going to be like, I can totally see why this happened now. I think all of us will still, whatever the the heartbreak has in our life, will struggle with some of those questions. So it probably took me around a year to feel like I was kind of back to normal again. And that kind of came through a series of events where sort of I again realized my purpose for that particular time. And But for a while, I felt a little bit angry. It's kind of too strong of a word, but I just felt like I was in this role of raising other people's kids. That's what I felt like. And uh, even is yeah. not the correct word, but just mothering and helping and training and teaching my stepsons and my students and some of my nieces and nephews. And of course, there's joy in all of that, but it's not being a mom. It's not wasn't the fulfillment of my dream. Yeah. You mentioned your nieces and nephews and that you come from a family with lots of siblings. And so I'm sure that in this season of the bigger family mm-hmm. life, that your sisters and sister-in-laws mm-hmm. are getting pregnant and having children. And I'm sure too, I mean, that's always such a delicate thing to balance when For the person who is announcing a pregnancy and knows that there are people in their lives who are wanting so much to be pregnant. And then for the people who are wanting so much to be pregnant, you know, like how that dynamic can be so tricky. And I'm sure the fact that you all had a firm foundation of closeness and love and affection for each other was helpful. But I'm sure at the same time, it was pretty painful to see babies coming all around you. It was at times. But like you said, like, because we have a close relationship, Of course, I was overjoyed and excited for them. Even just talking now made me remember my sister, Marianne, her first baby was born early. No signs of anything, just suddenly water broke and having a baby seven and a half weeks early. And I was able to really support her and be there for her. And I remember thinking in that, I was really glad that I got to because I didn't have my Mm. own babies at home. And so God has always given me a way to see a positive, I feel like, in things that are rough. Yeah. And so even that was like to say, hey, I was really thankful that I got to do that. And even now that I'm super busy with my kids, my relationship with my nieces and nephews is different than what it was before. And so I look back and I'm glad I had that time with them. 
because I don't have as much time with them <laughs> as I do. There's lots and lots right, of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the early days yes. when I just had a few, um, those are sweet and special. And so I am glad that I got that baby time as Aunt Kate. <laughs> yes, definitely. So you have this pregnancy and then miscarriage at the end of 2008. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So what happened next? Just about a year and a half later, I had the opportunity to go to China actually with the Little White House. And so I went in the spring, I went twice um, for almost six weeks total and was over there and just was so excited to get to be a part of it and to really see what it was like and just see the love that the staff at the orphanages and the teachers of this ministry we were working with. Just amazing. And only as God could do it, (laughs) in between my two trips to China, where I was certain that's where we would eventually get our baby from, Rob happened to catch a news clip about siblings in foster care and the need to adopt siblings from foster care. That was something we hadn't even talked about. When I thought about foster care, I didn't think about adoption. I thought about kids coming in and out of your home. And that's not something that I wanted to do. And that sounds to me almost a little selfish to say it right now. I mean, I wanted a family and I wanted kids that I could mother. And I had lots of kids that I cared for that did not live in my home permanently. And I wanted kids that were going to live in my home permanently. At that point, I didn't even really know about what it was like to adopt from foster care. And so Rob said, what What would you think about that? What would you think about siblings? I mean, it's strange to me now because it's such a part of my life. It had never occurred to me <laughs> that we right. could adopt siblings and have our big family. And so we just started the process. Yeah. We just like made the phone call, started some paperwork. The day before I left for my second trip to China, we submitted everything. And we just kind of felt like we'll just start taking one step at a time. And as long as each step felt right, and as we were sort of praying through it, that we would just kind of keep moving along. I'm sure you've seen them. I know Oklahoma City and Tulsa both air in here. It's called The Waiting Child. And it's just like a news station will kind of highlight kids that are in foster care waiting for adoption. And I would imagine something similar happens in other parts of the country. That's what it really was for us. And it was three girls. And we knew that there was a good chance that they wouldn't be still available for adoption by the time we went through the process. But they're really the ones that inspired us. And so that kind of will always be something special. And I have a a picture of them that I stole from the website or whatever. (laughs) That I, when I had it on my phone when I went back to China and I was telling my friends. And, and so oh. when we just started going through the process. Yes. And by the time we were approved, the girls hadn't been adopted yet, but they had a pre-adoptive placement that had been matched. Well, they had had a failed placement. And so we said, we want to wait and make sure this placement works for them before we move on with anyone else. At mm-hmm. that point, our paperwork had said that we wanted to adopt a sibling group of two or three And we said we wanted girls Mm -hmm. only. And our age range at that point was, I think, probably like two years old to 10. My stepsons were 18, 16, and 14 when we started. My oldest stepson was about to graduate from high school. We wanted an age gap between the two groups of kids. We felt better transition into our home. And because we had three boys, I was ready for some girls. Right. (laughs) And And we knew of these girls. So that's kind of how we filled out our paperwork to start with. And then when we knew the girls were taken care of, that their adoptive placement was going to work for them this time, we were able to start looking through files of kids that were eligible for adoption. And that's kind of how it works in Oklahoma. I'm sure other places have different methods of it. 
So we were able to kind of look and kind of tell who we were interested in. At the same time, our caseworker had our file so he could see who might be eligible and caseworkers of kids could look and they kind of just try to do these matchings. And over time, we would see kids in files that there would be like sibling groups of three or four or five. And I just remember telling Rob, like, who is going to adopt these kids? Like, who will take in four or five kids? And so we were trying to figure out like how we could do it. Right. Perhaps I should back up and say like, at this point, the boys were always with us at least 50% of the time and maybe more. We live in the same neighborhood as their mom. So it was really easy for them to go back and forth. And as they got into high school, it just seemed like more time was spent at dad's house than at mom's house. But we live in a house that's not quite 1,100 square feet. (laughs) We have one bathroom and three bedrooms. And so Mm -hmm. our whole plan was we could put the boys in one room together. That had happened before. And then we would have one room left for the kids that were adopting. And so that's why we chose sort of our preliminary, our early. (laughs) Right. Because it made sense that you would do one gender or the other just for logistical reasons. So yeah, that totally makes sense. So then our first amendment to our file was to say, well, or we could take all boys. Like once I saw pictures and read stories, I thought, well, it doesn't matter if I have boys or girls. There's kids that are waiting for families. And then when we saw groups of four or five, we thought, well, Rob and I could move to the smaller bedroom and we could use our master bedroom. And that's how we could fit four or five kids Mm. in. And so we just added a letter to our file that said that we would be open to that and that we realized that if you look at on paper, it seems like we can't do it. This is how we could make it work. Mm -hmm. Feel free to consider us for the larger sibling group. Mm -hmm. The month that we added that to our file is the same month that our children's biological parents relinquished their rights. And so a couple of weeks following that, our caseworker called us to ask if we were interested. And so I think probably as we're listening, it's clear, but for those of us who aren't familiar with the foster system in the United States, it seems like there's maybe two, or maybe there's some separation between children who just need some temporary parenting and love and care, but their parents are still actively involved, as opposed to children, like you just said, whose parents have formally relinquished their parental rights and then are available for placement in a new home through adoption. Okay. That's a good point. When we did all of our paperwork, we wanted to be an adoptive only family. We were not interested in fostering. So yeah, back to sort of why I wasn't, I never really even considered fostering. I didn't want kids coming in and out of my house. Right. I realize now I'm (laughs) mature. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a vital, important part of taking care of kids. And I also feel like at this point, I could do that. At the point where my heart's desire was to become a mom, I wasn't in a position to sort of help just temporarily support a family in their reunification. That's not what I could do. Right. So for us, that's how we did it. And so we would only look at kids' files or we would only be considered for kids who either their parental rights had been terminated by the court system after, yes, like lengthy process of attempts of reunification and their parents learning appropriate skills and all those kinds of things. Versus ours were close to terminating parental rights, but our kids' biological parents, they did relinquish their rights. They signed their Okay. Rights. And so the caseworker called my husband. And then I was at work teaching and I got a phone call and Rob said, okay, I'm going to tell you this. We just called to see if we'd be interested in these kids. <laughs> and he said, this is what I know about them. Boy and girl twins who are four years old. 
boy and girl twins who are three years old and a two-year-old. And I just couldn't believe it. Like we had hoped that we would have at least one kid under the age of five. <laughs> I've actually told it because we only had been matched one other time with a sibling group and just didn't feel right to us. It was a sibling group of, I think it was two girls and one was maybe 10 and one was eight. It wasn't that we were concerned about their age as much as we wanted to parent them longer. <laughs> That's what our thought was right. at that moment. And so then we told our caseworker, you know, we'd really like to consider groups that have at least one that's under five. So that way we could be parents for a long time. Yes. And then (laughs) we had five, under five. And we had waited. I mean, that was another waiting process. We were like sort of paperwork ready by November and had actually knew that the girls were taken care of. And so that's when we were sort of in the group of parents that were waiting for kids. And this call came to us at the end of April. So we waited all of those months, which Looking back, it wasn't that long. In the moment, it did seem like a long time just because I knew, I just knew there were kids that were waiting. They were either in foster homes or they were in children's shelters. They were just waiting for parents to say, yes, here we were. Right. And we were really open to a lot of things. And you can sort of, in your paperwork, you get to mark conditions of kids, ages of kids, ethnicities, if kids have special needs, all those kind of things. We felt like we were really open. <laughs> and then we even said we would take sibling groups. Yeah. But now we know. I'm still waiting. Yeah. And you were still waiting. <laughs> even being an open in all of these areas, it was still a wait. Yeah. And now we know that our kids who were 100% meant to be our kids they weren't ready for us. Like they, their parents right. still had rights until we were just kind of slowly moving into this phase of, oh, well, this is how we could do five. This is how it could yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you get the phone call from Rob. He tells you two sets of twins mm-hmm. and a younger one as well. Okay. So what, what are you thinking in that moment? Well, super excited. I remember like my classroom assistant, like she kept our students and I was like running around telling everybody (laughs) we've been matched with kids. And I was so excited. We knew their names and their ages. And that was all that we knew. I didn't know anything else about them. And our caseworker like wanted us to talk about it and let him know the next day. But like we knew, I mean, we just knew (laughs) that that's what we wanted to do. And so then it was probably about a week later, I was able to go to our County office and I was able to pull their profiles and so then I saw the little picture for the first time and read about a half page information on each kid. And as I was reading through it, I just remember like smiling and nodding and thinking like, oh, yeah, I can see why they picked us. Like, I can see why these should be our kids. And then over the course mm-hmm. of the next few months, lots of paperwork has to be done and all kinds of things. My kids were not in the same foster home. So we initially met four of them and then we met our oldest And then they moved in with us in July. So this was all happening in 2011. So it's been almost exactly seven years ago that the kids came home for us. Yes. And so kind of help us know a little bit about, so you go from, you have your three stepsons who, like you said, I mean, you're very actively, they're in the house. And so you've got all that activity going on. And then as your kids are being added to your home or coming home to your home, what does that support system around you look like? What were your needs and how, because I know this is something that we talk about a lot in our awesome community is how can we support families that are fostering or who are bringing children into their family through adoption? What did that look like for you all? Yeah, that is such a vital part of really why we were able to do it. We, I, don't, I mean, it would have been so much harder 
if we didn't have support from our coworkers, from our churches, from our family. We didn't still some of it, even though we knew we were matched, there's still this kind of waiting until and knowing when they're going to move in with us. And we did some visits and those kind of things. And just even getting our house ready, you know, we couldn't get it fully ready because we didn't know how many kids we were going to have and what ages they were going to be and that sort of thing. But after things had moved along and we were pretty, like pretty sure that they were going to start coming for overnight visits and stuff. I mean, that very Sunday, our class at church just passed a basket and people took up money for us to go out and buy bunk beds, like very simple. And then our church had a diaper drive and had excess. All five of our kids were in diapers <laughs> when we got them. Mm-hmm. And so we had a bunch of diapers that were donated to us. And then my coworkers gave us a baby shower, <laughs> an adoption shower. I got to create a registry and people were able to get things for us. And then they did meals for us. Just a lot of the same things that you're doing for new moms that are having new babies at home. They were doing that for us. The timing of it again worked out really well. My husband has worked in public education for a long time. And so he had the summer off. And then my school is actually a year round school, but I took maternity leave. And so we were both home together for the summer with the kids. Perfect timing. (laughs) I can't imagine otherwise. Right. come home and <laughs> and kind of manage all of that. But so yeah, so we had meals that were coming to us. We did some just kind of right away, but then I kind of paused that. And then when I went back to work in the fall when school started, then we started them up again because I knew being a working mom and would be a hard thing to do too. And so that was a real benefit to us. We've had friends that have just offered to take our kids so we could have date night. And our church has a respite program for adopted and foster families. And so once a quarter, they just love on our kids and play with our kids so we can go out to dinner. And it's really a nice way, I think, for people who are not called to actually bring kids into their home to support families that are doing it. And it really, really helps. Yes. My, my parents let us borrow a vehicle for a while because we did not own a vehicle. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. They <laughs> gave us like car seats that they had that their kids had grown out of or the extra one that they didn't really need because we needed car seats. Just all of <laughs> a needed... sudden to need five car yeah. seats is no small thing. Right. And with us in Oklahoma, and I'm sure some of these details are different, but we did get reimbursement is what it's called, a monthly monetary reimbursement for expenses incurred, but you don't get that till after you've started. Well, you can't not have beds and you can't not have car seats and those kind of things. And so there is some expense for that just to get the things that the kids need. And so it was nice to have right. some help. Yes. So there you were. I mean, almost overnight, you all had not only, again, not only your stepsons, but now five children. And like, I don't know, I can't imagine. And also, I can say as a twin mom, <laughs> here you were not only with five children under the age of five, but two sets of twins. So you went from like just three teenage boys rambling in and out of the house to now you have all of these new dynamics. Right. What were some of the most awesome things as your family began to come together? And what were some of the challenges to work through there? The challenges, part of it was that because of our kids sort of early years, they were delayed in a lot of their skills that you typically would see in a three and four year old. Sure. And so bringing that in, like I said, they were all in diapers still. And none of them could get dressed independently. Okay. 
some of them needed help eating. Right. My oldest son, he had had a pretty extensive medical history and had really overcome a lot before we got him, but he had a feeding tube and until just before we got him. So, but at that point he was on a pureed diet. Okay. So I was pureeing his foods and then my youngest son had food allergies. And so I was doing his foods. Thankfully, I've been a preschool teacher for six years. Yes. <laughs> so it kind of felt like I was just doing my preschool at home. I just really needed my assistance yeah. and I needed to come in and, and clean up my classroom after five right. Yes. <laughs> I did not have that. <laughs> Looking back, a lot of that year was a blur. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Especially because I worked. Yes. <laughs> Which also looking back, I maybe wouldn't have made that choice. However, I think it was a really good experience to just even have that perspective of being a working outside of the home mom. Yes. I guess an important note in that all of our story is the kids moved in with us in July and then we finalized our adoption in December. So for I would say for almost everywhere you would do, it is called a pre-adoptive placement. And so that way they just make sure that everything's good for the kids, for the family, that everybody's getting what they need and everybody can handle everything. It wasn't a real stressful time. We had a caseworker visit once a month and just kind of working on details. And then we finalized in December. Gotcha. So back to the challenges. That was just the challenges of having five kids. But of course, the awesome was just having a bunch of little kids in our house. Yeah. And they adjusted really well to coming to our home. They hadn't lived together ever, all five of them. But they quickly, you know, just became little brothers and sisters that play together and just the cutest little things. We didn't have a lot of hard adjustment as far as like attachment issues that some people experience with adoption. In a way, our kids, though, it took a while for them to understand that this was permanent. And that was even not something that they were able to verbalize with us. All of my kids have some developmental delay and some of that. Initially, we knew that and knew that it maybe came from just a lack of stability in their early years. And now we know that we have some actual diagnoses that, that have caused some of it. Yeah, just kind of trying to get them caught up and help them understand what a family is like when they had moved around so much. It was easy for them to call us mom and dad, mm -hmm. which some people thought was wonderful. And the sad part of that is they didn't really understand what a mom and dad are. They hadn't attached to someone else to know. And so as that came through and we just kind of helped them get adjusted, just the love that they had for each other and that even our community poured into us. I mean, I think yeah. we'll always hold on to that as something being very special uh, during that time. And you all were kind of doubly blessed in the sense that you, as you mentioned, you're Catholic, your husband's Baptist. So you, and you guys actively attend two different churches. We do. So you sort of had double, and you had a work community. I'm sure Rob had his school community. So you guys were fortunate in the sense that you had a lot of different communities kind of coming around and easing you through the transition and continuing to show up as supports as your kids have gotten older. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's often a few hiccups in the road or glitches when it comes to attending two churches, but boy, were we thankful. <laughs> for it. I bet. And really like it just, it expands the number of people that love our kids and know their story. And then yeah. ultimately become advocates for sibling adoption through foster care because they know of our kids. And like many people are the same way I was. You don't even know that it's a need. You don't even realize that, that it's an option. So Absolutely. So you mentioned you worked through that first year still at the school you had been working at, and then you decided to 
go home and homeschool. Yeah. That's what you all did for several years. And now you're getting ready to, well, last year you decide you all, the family, you guys decided to put your kids into your local parochial school. And now you're going to be teaching there next year. So you've kind of done the whole gamut, Kate. Like if anybody has schooling (laughs) questions (laughs) and you're married to a public educator, so (laughs) we really could have had a whole episode about education issues. (laughs) But let's talk a little bit about like, what were some of the deciding factors for homeschooling and then take us on down the road to deciding to look into parochial school for your kids? Sure. Yeah. For us, when I worked that first year, three of my kids were actually able to come to work with me. They had a program where staff could bring their preschool age children to be in the classroom with our other kids with special needs, and they could be typical peer models. I don't think they ever anticipated an employee adopting five at the same time. We actually don't have room for all five of your children. (laughs) (laughs) So three of them came with me, and then two of them were just at a preschool across the street. The next year, though, my oldest kids, they would have needed to go on to school. They were too old to stay at our preschool. I wasn't ready to send them to school. We just needed time together. And it was really nice just to come home. And so that's what we did. And just kind of knowing that their skills were a little bit scattered and they had some places where we needed to give them more individualized attention than I feel like they could get in a public school. That's why we came home. And I was home with them for five years. And then you're right, this last year, because of a new scholarship that's available to kids in Oklahoma that have been adopted or are in the foster care system, um, it helps pay some of the tuition for private schools. And so we were able to send our kids. Some of you all who might be parents of kids with special needs or have worked in any private schools around here, it's not really common for private schools to accept kids with special needs or with any type of learning differences, especially if there's a significant delay from grade level work. I knew the scholarship was available. I didn't know if there would be a school that would accept our kids. Right. And so that has been something that's been important to me since way before I knew of my children. A lot of our kids that were graduating from the preschool I was Mm -hmm. at, their parents wanted to continue private schooling for them. Usually there wasn't a place for them. And so my kids did last year. It was a really good experience for us. I'm really glad they had that experience. And I'm going to come on board next year and just work part-time because that seems reasonable for me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to work part-time in supporting their program to include kids with special needs in their regular classrooms and just help support teachers and the kids. So I'm super excited to get to kind of dip my toes back into education and about something that's really a passion of mine. And then also it will in turn benefit my children, but I'm really excited to get to really impact a larger community of kids with special needs. I love that. And I'm serious. We may very well have you come back and just talk about some schooling stuff because I know we haven't even tapped into all of your wisdom there. But before we wrap up, I would love to just hear from you, Kate. Are there myths or misconceptions or things that you just wish, like misconceptions that you could correct or things that you wish that people knew about any part of y'all's story, whether it's the infertility or adopting from the foster system, adopting a sibling group. I would just love to hear kind of your sort of closing thoughts of what would you hope that people would know? Sure. Well, I'm glad that it was brought up earlier, the idea that you had to foster before adopt. And I didn't know that. And so that was really a good thing for me to learn is that There are kids in every state that are eligible for adoption that are waiting for families. Mm. So that's one thing. I really did not know that before. Another thing, 
I always thought adoption was expensive. When you look at international adoption and all the fees and costs associated with travel and in-country stays, I mean, it easily is tens of thousands of dollars. And so for us, that was really why we hadn't moved forward on it. We felt a real commitment to eliminating as much of our debt as possible and just being really more free to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Adopting kids from foster care, there's zero cost. In Oklahoma, it doesn't cost anything. And then we even receive post-adoptive support. And that's just determined on eligibility. It's, it's not every single kid, but it almost is certainly older kids and sibling groups and then any kids that have any kind of medical conditions. So for us, that means that my kids have free health and dental insurance until they graduate mm-hmm. from high school. And then we also have college scholarship for our kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also get, um, we, we continue to get a monthly reimbursement is the correct term. But it, that to me almost sounds like you have to like turn in your receipts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like but <laughs> we do get a monthly check from the state that helps to cover the cost of what it costs to house and raise kids that were in state wow. custody and now are in families. And quite honestly, that was the only way I was able to stay home with the kids for a few years on was just to be able, and which was nice because then I could give them what they needed in that environment. Yes. And then we didn't talk about it really, but we do still have some contact with our kids biological parents. Oh, interesting. It does not usually happen that way in, in the foster care world. Our kids were not abused by their parents, um, but they were neglected mostly due to a lack of ability to care for them because both of their mm-hmm. parents have some developmental delay. And so it's a safe relationship. Initially, I was very apprehensive about it and I would have been very apprehensive about an open adoption. And so that's a myth that I would dispel that it is a very healthy thing for kids when it's a safe relationship, right. that it's a very healthy thing for kids and for the biological family to continue to have some type of contact or relationship and that it ultimately keeps everyone healthy and more secure in their families. And that is not something I knew coming into it, but that's something that I've learned. And then the only other thing <laughs> that I like to tell people is there is nothing like superpower <laughs> that I have that makes me oh, become right. a mom. It is one of those things that people are like, oh my goodness, I could never, you know. Yes. So awesome. And, well, thank you, but <laughs> I'm right. very, very regular <laughs> and we just do it. And so you don't have to have all your ducks in a row and be perfect by any means. And so that shouldn't ever be something that holds somebody back before deciding to adopt. I love it. Oh, Kate, this was so fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and share the story of your family. And also your own personal journey through all of this. Like I said, and I know you don't maybe want me to say it this way, but truly you are living out what we all, I think, can agree on is being awesome in the world around you. And a lot of it is just being open to saying yes. And even like, I love what you just said. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be all the way there Mm -hmm. when you're confronted with an opportunity. Sometimes it's just taking the next right step forward. And I think that your life really is such a testimony to what wonderful things can come into your life when you're willing to just kind of put one foot in front of the other and keep taking the right next step. So so beautiful. I know you're in the Hangout group, and I'm sure you'll be around to answer questions or do follow-up stuff. Is there anywhere else on social media that we can connect with you? I'm on Instagram, and my Instagram is PS11829, which is the verse, Psalm 11829. It was a verse that I held on to when I knew I was pregnant, and I continue to hold on to it whenever I had a miscarriage and continue to hold on to it while I was waiting. So 
that's my Instagram. And you can see pictures of our crazy adventures there. I do have a blog that is very neglected. But if anyone's interested in just sort of like back in the day when I used to blog about our journey to adoption, that's really what I wrote a lot about. That same address is through my Instagram account. Perfect. We will put that information in the show notes for sure for anybody who wants to see more of Kate's story as it plays out. So you all know you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. And we are always around on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.